Welcome to the Property Unleashed podcast, a show about property, entrepreneurship, and personal development. This show is designed to give you the foundations and building blocks to move forward on your journey and live a more inspired life. Hello and welcome to the Property Unleashed podcast. I'm your host, Mark Fitzgerald, and it's as always, it's fantastic to have you joining me here today. So I hope in your property life, your property journey, you are moving forward, you are gaining pace. As we draw a close to another year, it's a good time to really reflect on the year that you've just had and to also, of course, look for new habits that you want to start to improve your life with and remove habits that you may be struggling with and that maybe aren't serving you properly. In today's episode, I want to cover some objections, some myths that people have in their minds when it comes to doing rent-to-rent deals uh, and when it comes to starting a rent-to-rent business. I think once you can overcome any obstacles in your life, and near enough all obstacles can of course be overcome, then You've got clarity, you've got a real purpose, and you can hit the ground running without the negative thoughts that might be putting you off. So we're going to cover five different topics on the episode today, and I hope you get some knowledge. I hope maybe one of these you're thinking about or is holding you back. Let's cover it, let's get through this, and let's make sure that you're moving forward. So number one, I hear a lot of people saying that rent to rent is a passive investing strategy. And when we say passive, basically it means that you can do the deal and then you can just get the money coming in. I'm here to tell you that whilst you can put systems in place at the very beginning of any sort of rent to rent business, and I like to think of rent to rent as a business, you're going to have to put some work in. It's not going to be a passive investment. You know, if you want a passive investment and you've got the money, go and buy a buy-to-let, a single-let property, put a family in it, uh, let an agent look after it for you, and that is about as passive as you can probably get in property investing. Rent-to-rent is not going to be a passive investment. Now, whether you're doing rent-to-rent HMOs or you're doing serviced accommodation, both come with a high level of work that is needed to put into them, not least getting the deals, doing your marketing, speaking to landlords and agents, and obviously making sure that you prepare the properties in the right manner so that you can let them out, however you wanna let them out. But you need systems in place, you need personnel in place, and all of that comes over time. So when you're starting out in rent to rent, I would say you're gonna be very hands-on. Now, don't let that put you off. Some people think, I haven't got time. I've got a full-time job. How can I do this? You can do this alongside a full-time job. Some of my students, well, many of my students actually on the Rent to Rent Business Builder have managed to achieve this alongside a full-time job. My plan when I first started out was to do this alongside my full-time corporate job where I was a manager. So I was managing a lot of teams and it was a highly stressful job, but I would have still managed to have done this. How? Well, I would have made time to do so. I would have planned out my time and I would have made sure I got the relevant tasks done week in and week out to move me forward. You can do the same even if you think you haven't got any time. You can check out tools and resources that I offer, which is a 90-day planning. I also offer a free viewing guide, uh, a deal analyzing spreadsheet, and all of that are in the show notes. If you want any of the free resources to help you move forward, then please just take a second, click on them, download whatever suits you, and it's all free to you to help you out to move you forward. So let's move on to number two. Number two, 
I find a lot of the time is about finding or people are teaching people to find rundown properties that the landlords are struggling to let. Now that is a very old method and an old way of thinking about doing rent to rent. Yes, that method does though still work. And I would say that if you find the right property and even if I find the right property and it's run down, there may be a chance that I would actually put a level of investment into that property to bring it back up to a good level that I can rent it out and make sure that I can get the rents and get the tenants in so that I can pay the guaranteed rent. But there are a lot of people that say that is the way that you do rent to rent. You have to find these tired properties. And I'm here to tell you, you don't. OK, I've never paid for a refurb and I've never paid for a deposit on any properties that I have taken on. Why? Because I actually believe that it's not my property. And because it is somebody else's property, if they are not willing to put in a level of refurb cost to make sure that their own property is looked after, then why should I? So what I always try and do is to make sure that the landlords know this, to make sure the landlords appreciate the fact that if they put a level of money into their own property, which they should be willing to do if they're savvy landlords, that I will maintain that level. So if a house is done to a good standard, and it was here, but it's done to a good standard, I'll make sure that when I give the property back, or for the time that I am managing the property, it'll stay at that level. And it'll probably be even in a better condition when I give it back to them. Why? Because we put the systems in place Place to stay proactive when maintenance happens. If you're doing SA, you know you've got to keep it in really tip-top condition. And that goes for the same with HMOs as well. Now, HMOs will get the wear and tear as well. So it's just a matter of staying on top of the decorating, of staying on top of the tenants to making sure that they're clean and tidy and making sure that your team, your cleaning team in both scenarios are going in there, are reporting any issues and are making sure that the place is spick and span. If you do that and you also focus on targeting HMOs that are in a better condition, it's not always about how you can raise the rents, although in some areas, if you actually put a level of investment uh, in yourself and the properties are in good condition you can do so and of course in serviced accommodation you're going to get more once you've built up the rapport once you've built up the relationships and once you've built up the booking books then you will be able to create more wealth and money in what you are doing so don't have to always be looking at rundown properties Potentially a property that maybe just needs a lick of paint, maybe a couple of carpets is fine, maybe a bit of furniture here or there. But if you're going to refurniture a whole house, if you're going to have to decorate a whole house and put carpets in a whole house, then it can add up to a good few thousand pounds. Now, if you've got that level of money that you can put into it, and I recommend that you can try and get your money back out of any refurbishment within about six months, then go for it. But again, it's all down to personal preference. But it, it's not about finding rundown properties and you should only be focusing on that. You should be looking at all properties and trying to do deals with landlords with nice properties as well. So number three, I see a lot of people getting hung up on mortgage conditions and whether or not they're allowed to do either HMOs or serviced accommodations with the landlords who have mortgages on their properties. And I will say the number one thing that you need to be here is just transparent with the landlords, with the agents or with whoever you're dealing with. Ask them to check 
the mortgage conditions. Now, if you're dealing with a letting agent and potentially it's an HMO or if it's a single, let's say it's a single let, it's, it's let to a family, you think you can convert it into an HMO, you need to check your area with your local council, you need to make sure it's not in an Article 4 area and that it can be converted into an HMO. You also need to check again with the local council to see what requirements are needed in the property to make it compliant to be an HMO. Also, you need to make sure that the landlord does have a mortgage that allows the property to be let room by room. So they do need to know what you're doing. I always think everything needs to have transparency and clarity. The landlords need to know you're doing that. Equally, they need to know if you're letting it out as a serviced accommodation. Maybe their um, mortgage conditions and everything are fine with that, but it's still nice to let the landlords know what you're doing with their properties so that nobody can come up to you afterwards, maybe a couple of months in, you maybe have spent some money on the property and start criticizing, complaining, or saying, I didn't think you were gonna be doing this. What's this all about? Let everybody know from the word go what you intend to do and what your plans are, and then make sure that you follow through with what you say and your promises will be. Having said that, if it's already an HMO and you're taking it on, we use either a management agreement in rent to rent or a lease agreement. We don't do agreements with ASTs. We will not sign an AST with a letting agent and then let the rooms out because that is not the way it's done. That is called subletting and we don't sublet properties. We use a management agreement or a lease agreement. Management agreement is very much the same as what a letting agent uses. So in many cases, if they already have a letting agent, they already have the agreement in place in their mortgage terms to let it out on a management agreement basis. But it's still worth just checking and just asking and just getting clarification on these types of things, okay? Just make sure you cover yourself there, but don't get too hung up on the mortgage conditions. And if worst case scenario, just ask. Just ask, just ask him maybe even to take a screenshot of the conditions so that you can see it for yourself. You've covered yourself, you've done everything that you could possibly do to make sure that you're compliant. And if somebody then pulls a wool over your eyes or something like that, then at least you've got evidence to say, listen, these guys have proven to me that this is the mortgage conditions and it's obviously a lie. I haven't heard of it happening, but maybe it has happened out there. Nine times out of 10, if you ask uh, the landlords and you speak to them uh, and you speak to the agents and things, you'll just get clarity on it there. I don't really think people are gonna go out of their way to lie to you or anything like that. So don't get too hung up on that, but it's just something to be mindful of, okay? Let's move on to number four. I see a lot of people also looking at rent to rent as a side hustle dipping their toe into property. And there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. You just need to make sure that you're gonna have the systems set up to be able to manage the properties effectively. Two, maybe three, maybe even up to five properties can be run as a bit of a side hustle, if you like. You can sort of sort it out yourself and you can have that extra income coming in. But you do need to make sure that you know your responsibilities and that you know what you're doing. You can run into a lot of expensive mistakes in anything in property if you don't know what you're doing. So sometimes it can be very handy to just spend a bit of money in the beginning to make sure that you're set up for success. I know my students do the same thing when they go through the rent to rent business builder course we set them up in the right way for success from the word go to stop them making any costly mistakes and in the end
end, at the end of the day, with all the templates, scripts and everything that they have to say, they are out there and they hit the ground running perfectly. So make sure that you put yourself into that same sort of category, in that same sort of position. But what I do say and what I do recommend everybody does, whether you're just doing it as a small side hustle or you want to make a really big business, is look at it as a business. Structure it as a business. Don't take all of the profits and go and buy cars, holidays, whatever. Take snippets of the profits and enjoy it, obviously. But make sure that you have money, working capital in your rent-to-rent business, that you have money for maintenance issues when they go wrong. You have a little pot just building up at the side. You have money in there for voids as well, for when tenants are coming and going. So make sure that you're building those pots in there as well like a rainy day fund so that when you need to spend a bit of money or you have a void or anything it's not costing you it's just coming out of those pots yeah i see far too many people you know think that they're getting 500 a thousand pounds profit happy days or two thousand pounds profit on a couple of properties that's it i'll quit my job remember you can't use all of that money you need to have it set aside as a sort of a business fund as you're going can't recommend that highly enough. If you do that, again, you're setting yourself up for success and you're making sure that you're not setting yourself up for a big fall if you need to put a bit of money into the property. And also, when you get to the end of the term, let's just say the landlord doesn't want to continue, they want to sell the property or they want the property back for whatever reason, you might have a few hundred pounds that you need to spend to touch a few bits and bobs up to maybe make it the way that you'd both agreed when you took it on. By having those pots of money, you have that money there. You know, you have, you, you can just go straight into it. You can get it all sorted and there's no hard feelings and there's no hassles. You can get yourself a good testimonial, maybe a good review from that landlord and you can move on to the next one. Okay, so the last and final one, the fifth one we have is... Who pays for what? I see far too many people getting into rent-to-rent deals and they don't know who should be paying for what. You should have this in your management or lease agreement. You should have this in writing. Who covers what and up to what level? So you could have, we cover all maintenance issues each month up to £100. So after £100, then the landlord has to pay. And But I always say a caveat on that. We won't charge you any fees for sorting it out or organising it. You can pay the tradespeople that come in and sort out any of the problems directly. But we'll cover things up to £100. You can have it so that the plumbing, the, the boiler, uh, the plumbing in the house and everything like that is covered by the landlord. Yet again, you will get the plumber in to sort things out. You will also make sure that the gas certificate and everything is done each year on the boilers uh, to make sure everything's compliant. But you won't charge a fee to do so. The white goods you could say will go halves on or they're the landlord's responsibility or you might take them on as your responsibility. But one thing I always did say was there's no point in me really putting a washing machine into your property because if at the end of the agreement we do decide to go our separate ways, I'm going to take that washing machine with me and it leaves you without. So it's better off if you supply the white goods in your own property and we'll maintain them and look after them. So make sure from the word go, you structure all of these sort of um, things and ideas and who pays for what in your deals, okay? It makes it a lot easier when something happens, it's easy enough then for you to just turn around and say, right, I sort that out, Uh, landlord sorts that out, uh, or we both sort this out. I'll basically get it done and I'll say to them 50-50 split, we'll pay for this, they pay for that sort of thing. Don't get too hung up on this. 
Uh, and also don't be afraid to say that this is what we cover uh, in our business. So we cover minor maintenance. We take care of all the silly little things like light bulbs, door handles, uh, radiator valves or anything like that we can take care of. But the big things, the structure of the house, the windows, the doors, um, the chimney breast, the roof, the, the, the boiler, uh, the electrics is basically covered by the landlord because they would be covering it anyway. But a lot of the time landlords just get fed up with all the fees that letting agents put on top of all of the jobs that they may be doing. So by removing the fees and just saying you pay for the jobs, you're putting yourself again a cut above the rest. You're also, it's also a good selling point, I think, for the landlord. So for that matter, make sure that you stipulate who's doing what. And also when you take on a property, you never know if there could be a level of maintenance issues that they're not telling you about. So just be careful on that one, because uh, if you take something on that keeps having, you know, maybe it's all on suite, six bed and showers keep leaking because the plumbing was never done that well. And, and, and they're just not pushed in properly and things. And it, it comes through the ceiling and causes a bit of damage and stuff. Make sure that you put in there that, you know, anything that's sort of historical isn't your responsibility. You will get it fixed, but the landlord has to pay for it. So if you're constantly getting different showers leaking, a radiator valves leaking and things like that, it's going to be coming back to the landlord because you're not there to pick up the tab for cheap, shoddy workmanship that was done before you even took it on. Now, if you've got something fixed and then it goes wrong, then of course you're getting that work person back you can hold yourself responsible to it, but only so much at the end of the day. So if somebody does go in and do a bad job, it's not particularly your problem. It's not particularly down to you. But what you could say to the landlord is I'll pick up the tab for that one just because we got the people in or it's 50-50 again. And then, of course, you can chase whatever trades it were. It's again, not, not, nothing to be hung up on. It's just food for thought. It's just making sure you set yourself up for success. So I hope that has really helped you with a few of the myths and the problems that I see people talking about and thinking about when doing rent to rent. Again, if you found this useful, please subscribe and feel free to share this. Also have a look at the guides uh, and the links below for any of the free resources that I offer. And if you are getting ready to start out in rent to rent or you have already started out your rent to rent journey and are struggling, please feel free to have a look at the business builder, the rent to rent business builder in 90 days program of where I assist you for over, well, just about three months, uh, 90 days in total in the Facebook group. We have uh, group coaching calls. We have a 10 module um, training video series with all the templates and everything you need to build a rent to rent business. If that interests you, then take a look at that link as well. So I hope this episode has helped you today. And if I have covered anything that has been a small hang up of yours, then uh, hopefully you've got some clarity on that and it's going to help you move forward. So as always, I like to thank you for joining me. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a five star review. And as I always say, if you haven't, please don't leave any review. But it's been great to have you joining me here and I hope you will join me again next week. Again, if you have any questions regarding mindset, rent to rent or business that you would like me to answer on the podcast, then please reach out to me on my social media on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or just come and drop me an email. If you go onto any of my bios, you will be able to click a link and you will be able to contact me through that or drop me a message. Any which way is always great and I am happy to help. So until next week, bye for now. 
Thank you for listening, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe and share the podcast with others. And if you could take a minute to leave the show a review, that would really mean a lot to me as well. Lastly, why not head over to the Property Unleashed Facebook group? And if you do, I'll see you there. Take care and make sure you keep focusing on your vision. Bye for now.